DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that face past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. History shows that men and women, in good times and bad, have sought truth outside themselves as well as within, and they follow the answers they receive. In our contemporary world, human knowledge through science and technological advances have offered more choices and possibilities than ever before. The horizons seem to stretch thinner and move faster than we are capable of handling. But in the end, we are the same spiritual beings. Throughout our journeys, the longing within endures. In this introductory episode to our series, Archbishop Lucas begins with this basic tenet of the importance of religion and why it matters. Why does religion matter, Archbishop? So I have to speak from the perspective of a Catholic, and I would say you know this would be consistent with the teachings of the Catholic Church. But I also want to add that I it's my experience and and my own belief. We understand religion as a virtue. We might say it's a characteristic of how we choose to live that takes into account that God exists, and uh, that I would be able to say that I'm not God. <laughs> that there is an, another God, however a person might imagine. Uh, God to be that's outside of me, beyond me, uh, but that I it's possible for me to have a relationship with that being. In our Christian understanding, we know that we're not only material beings, but we're spiritual beings as well. And so life beyond the immediate experience, life beyond things that can uh, just be weighed and, and measured scientifically, that has a reality and, a, and kind of calls to me for participation or understanding. And that's the world in, in which God relates to us. I think at, at some point, many of us can say with St. Augustine, who had all kinds of interesting experiences where he tried to live without God and, in a sense, pretend like religion didn't matter. He finally came to the clear understanding that God has created us for himself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in God. So whether we know it or not, and whether we advert to it or not, uh, we have been and are being created by God, we're really not complete and can't come to a complete understanding of ourselves and until we begin to respond to the invitation uh, from God to have a relationship with him. It's, it's unfortunate, isn't it, that it seems to be maybe in our times, maybe it's always been, but there 
seems to be a particular uh, negativity it's, or even a hostility towards even the term religion that maybe because of events in the past or you know, they'll say that, that wars were started because of religion and so religion is problematic or they might have personal encounters with people who they may seem very religious and yet displayed a behavior that, again, was harmful. Religion, it, it just seems to be such a negative buzzword. What you're describing and what some people would ascribe to, to religion is really human weakness and human limitation that we're experiencing even, either in ourselves or in others. So true religion is rooted in God and in a desire to understand God's plan uh, for us and for our world. We, of course, in our culture have an exaggerated sense of human freedom and human autonomy. So, I mean, right away that tends to put us at odds with allowing God into our lives if we think we're we're so autonomous. We would then see religion or or maybe government or parents or anyone else who is outside of ourselves who's trying to exert an influence on us as a kind of restriction or, or somebody who is trying in some way unjustly, we would think, to limit our freedom and our autonomy. So that's not true religion. A true religion, a, a true relationship with God will free us, will expand our horizons, will help us grow and become more the people that we have the capacity to be, more uh, the people that we, that we have been created to be. It, it's true, though, in our time, people looking at it from the outside might not necessarily see it that way. Yeah, there's a communal nature to religion, isn't there? An aspect to it, maybe not central, but there's something about a shared expression. Oh, I had a friend who recently re- returned from India, and she was in an area of India that is, of course, in India, it's very small Christian population, but then on a continent, where very small continent with a billion people, that small number still is very large compared to other places in the world. But what struck her was the expression of religion everywhere, whether it was Hindu or Buddhist or Christian or whatever that might be, rickshaws with dedicated to the Blessed Mother or everywhere saturated that particular culture. There were very many religions. Uh, so, some cultures, both now and, and traditionally, seem to have been more hospitable uh, to the practice of religion and what we might say even a, even a generalized uh, support for the virtue of religion. So not every person would have the, the same understanding of what that means and certainly wouldn't have the same understanding of, of who God is. Our culture is becoming more secular, as we describe it, which even if it doesn't, isn't expressed directly, it means that, that there isn't really room for God in the culture in sort of our day-to-day living. No reason to advert to God's existence, no reason to desire a relationship uh, with God. That's communicated to us in a, in a variety of, of ways that, that we're sufficient without God. Those of us who have accepted God's revelation and have accepted the invitation to have a relationship with God realize that that's, there's an emptiness there. And to say that we can live without God, that there's no room for God, or even that God, if there is a God, God's in competition with us somehow and trying to take our freedom away. Uh, we realize that those are, are not correct understandings, but they're certainly uh, widespread understandings in our time. I think of uh, those times in our own human history where 
they tried to wipe out elements of what we understand to be religion. I, I think of the French Revolution, for example, where period in history, and that's just one time, I'm sure there have been many other moments, but that one in particular was so vicious. I mean, there was a calculated attempt to wipe out religion. And th- th- I think that's a, a danger that can creep up sometimes in nations. It's something we have to be wary of. In a culture where the, where government takes to itself the supreme authority, then again, God seems a kind of competition. Whether it's an attempt to completely stamp out the practice of religion or whether, as we see in places now in China, some ways even in our country, smaller ways, but the, an attempt just to sort of hem in religion and control it, its practice or its influence in the culture or in the public square. It comes from the I think, the, again, the lie of the devil that, that we can be gods unto ourselves and that the, the idea and the necessity really of having a relationship uh, with the supreme being, with, with God, is some kind of nonsense. We've heard about religious tolerance, but that's more of a tolerance for religions to be able to exist and to be able to bear witness in society as opposed to a tolerance of whatever. There is that line, isn't there? True religion uh, is an invitation for us to seek the truth, uh, the truth about ourselves, the truth about the world in which we're living, and then the truth about the God who is creating and, and sustaining all of this. So our, our Catholic position is, and it certainly is held also by some other people of goodwill, is that we should be free to pursue the truth, and that as the, the truth of God's existence and the desire of, of God for our flourishing as that begins to dawn on us or as we begin to understand it more that we should have the freedom to follow faith's demands, re- religion's demands, as they lead us to, to learn more about God and, and then uh, perhaps to respond in freedom to God's invitation to live and act and pray in a certain way. So it's a good thing to tolerate religion in the sense that we want everybody to be free to come to know God and, and to respond to God in, in, in freedom. Uh, religious tolerance, as, as you suggest, isn't to say it doesn't make any difference. But it's also not to say that everything that someone might name as religion or as a relationship with God is necessarily true. There, there is perhaps more that any of us may be able to learn and come to appreciate as the truth as we pray and explore the possibility of a relationship with God. And I think it's sad that we have gotten to this point where in some families and some, again, in the culture, society, that we have an, an attitude almost that, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. How can that exist? I mean, how can you be spiritual and, and not religious? Because it is kind of complementary, isn't it? Right. It's a start, I would say. So we we hear many people speak that way, and I think we want to affirm that, yes, we are spiritual as well as material, but we're integrated human beings in, in God's design. It's possible then, I think, to find some commonality in terms of discussing, well, what does it mean to be spiritual? And what if I say there's a, an aspect of my life that that's spiritual, or I experience things beyond what can be weighed and, and measured? Where does that come from? And where do I think it's leading? You know, we don't want to say, well, it, it's dumb to think you can be spiritual but not have a religion. I would say it's an opening for, for an encounter, perhaps, and a, and a conversation. 
about what that might mean. Uh, the importance of the conversation. In any good conversation, it, it, you have to have also listening to be able to enter into a dialogue. Do we listen as well as we should? I think the the answer to that is most probably not. You know, that's part of one of the effects of original sin, I suppose, where it's affected our ability to communicate with others and among ourselves. In terms of the communication about religion and about spirituality, I think we have to be ready and anxious to listen to someone else talk about his or her experience. But then we also have to be generous and uh, prudent in sharing our own experience. Because, uh, again, these days, to just say to somebody, well, you should join a religion, it's, it's probably not going to have much of an effect. And, again, I think it comes across as a, a restriction of, of a person's own freedom, you know, to do whatever please. But uh, there should be a way for someone who has faith in God, who has come to understand a relationship with God, to be able to to talk about the effect that that has had in their life and why that kind of spiritual impulse has led, as it did for St. Augustine and many others in history, how that has led to a, a deeper exploration who God might be and then what God's power might be how it's directed, you know, what God's intentions are for us, you might say, and, and the possibility of a, of a relationship with God. And if we've gone through that process ourselves or have an experience of personal relationship with God, which God is offering to all of us, to be willing to share that with somebody else for what it's worth, not as a club to beat someone else over the head with or to try to get them to feel guilty that they don't, they're not doing the right thing, but to offer it as an invitation and just a, a sharing about what has made a great deal of difference to me in my life. There's something so loving, really, about that. I I can't help but think of Jesus at the well with a Samaritan woman. And all he really did was listen, and they had a conversation. And through that, it, it opened door to a great invitation that was so attractive. And even as he stayed for those two days... So you brought Jesus into this, which makes it so much easier for us to speak then, because what we have come to know in our Catholic faith is that religion is not about something out there, but that God is entering our world and is here already, of course, you know, sustaining every aspect of creation, creating us so lovingly. But that the fulfillment of God's communication and God's love uh, for us is is the the gift of his son Jesus who comes to meet us where we are whether it's a well uh, in in the Middle East or someplace in in the Midwest of of the United States that religion a true relationship a true understanding of God is accessible to us wherever we are. Yeah, the the story sometimes you hear it, it's almost heartbreaking of those who will turn away from any expression of religion because there was someone in a family who was, quote-unquote, really religious, went to church or practiced their faith every every week in whatever way that was, and yet they were a very harsh person or some type of behavior that didn't express an integrity in their belief. And it, and it hurt the person. And so they, it's the turnoff, and they turn away. How do we help those who have had those kind of wounded experiences? I think we're able to do often is to give them a different experience, to allow them to meet someone who has faith and for whom religion uh, and a relationship with God is an essential part of our life. Again, to be willing to share that and, and see if gently by, again, caring for them for their own sake, not trying to convert them, but 
uh, allowing our faith in God to overflow in good works, in kindness for them, that their hearts might be warmed. They may be able to look at the possibility of being a religious person from another perspective. There have been those leaders in history outside the Christian expression of the faith who have touched the world in a particular way. I'm thinking of uh, Mahatma Gandhi or the Dalai Lama who have spoken in a particular dialogue that attempted to bring peace to the world or a sort of unity to it. From our Catholic perspective, we would see that they're uh, kind of tuned in to either what we might call a natural law or just the law that God has written on the human heart that takes account of the dignity of one's neighbor and the the plan of God that we live together in harmony, that we're not open to acts of violence or, or, or repression or um, exploitation of others. When we see someone who lives that sort of natural expression of God's law, it, it's, it is very compelling. And we see it in all kinds of Traditions, we don't see it often enough. We see it in St. Francis of Assisi, for example, maybe Mother Teresa, a more contemporary example. Somebody who has an authentic relationship with God as, they're, as they've been led to, uh, to understand that relationship. And then it's, uh, they live it. It's not just talk. And it's not their lives become a gift for others and, and an example to others, kind of a beacon for others. They, they don't come into our lives as uh, somebody scolding us or you know, putting us down because of quite measure up to what they've been able to experience. Now, there are those religions, as we've spoken about a little bit earlier, that may have an expression that is so a counter, an attempt to foster virtue or peace or may not even respect the dignity of others. That can be very problematic, can it? Well, sure. And then we have to ask if it's true religion. Our gift in our Judeo-Christian tradition is that God is revealing himself to us. And so as we have this desire for a relationship with God, we don't have to wonder who God is. God's been fairly clear in the revelation is a beautiful gift. And what's revealed is that God is creating us lovingly, his own image. God cares about us. But it's also clear that we can't have a true relationship with God if our relationships with our neighbors are out of kilter. So we hear this often from the prophets and we hear it and see it very clearly in, in the life and in the teaching of Jesus, that God loves each of us so much that how we treat each other has an effect on our relationship with God, our response to the gift that God is offering to us of a relationship in, in true religion. It, we would understand it, wouldn't we, that a religion that is tied in some ways to what a, a St. Pope John Paul would say about what freedom is, the freedom not to do whatever you want to do, but the freedom to do good. And that, I think, is a real benchmark for helping us to understand where truth may lie in a particular religion. Jesus is the uh, is God uh, made man, and he's told us whoever sees him sees the Father, so we understand more of the nature of God, the more we understand uh, Jesus. And he is a free man, a perfect sense of the term, and, he, and we see him exercising his freedom to obey the will of the Father, but also to lay down his life uh, for others. Those two things are the same thing. So we, we come to understand, because of this perfect revelation from God, what it means to, to really be free. And it doesn't mean whatever, and it doesn't mean freedom as license, but it means freedom to love. 
to will the good of someone else, to love God in return for, the, for God's goodness to us, and then to love one another for God's sake. We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, which is a 501c3 fully tax-deductible nonprofit organization dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. Discerning Hearts creates engaging multimedia specializing in podcasts and radio broadcasts faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and its rich, authentic spiritual tradition. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. We charge nothing for any of the programs that are available on Discerning Hearts, and our outreach is literally to the world. Please tell a friend about Discerning Hearts and either download our free apps, which are available at iTunes and Google Play stores, or visit discerninghearts.com. The Creed I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Another very big question is, why would being a Christian matter? If there are other religions out there, and they seem to be good religions, being a Christian, why is that important? Once we come to know Jesus Christ, then we have begun to, to recognize the fullness of God's revelation to us. And if we accept Jesus as the Son of God, as our Savior, he's told us he's the way, the truth, and the life. We're looking for the truth in good conscience. Then we need to look in the direction of Jesus and see if faith is given to us to believe that he is who he says he is. Uh, So that's 
a, a perfect expression of of God's own truth. And then he has told us that he is the way, he is the way to the Father. If, if we believe that there's a life beyond this life and that we're on a pilgrimage, we might say, that's going to take us to, to that full life, then, then a relationship with Jesus is the way that that, that will be possible for us. Oh, because we are maybe aware that they're part of those other religions, that there are those that, as we've come to understand it, are the, the term monotheistic, that we believe in one God and the, the, the God of Abraham. So we have, and that's primarily a, a Judaism and Islam and Christianity. And there is that difference because of Jesus that when we understand about one God, it, it's different for the Christian when we speak about the Trinity, isn't it? Right, that's how God has revealed himself. And for Christians, it's the basic mystery, we might say, the most important truth of our faith is that God is Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. That's where everything begins uh, with God. So there's no religion without God, obviously, and there's no, there's no us, so there's no other, other creation without God willing it. The invitation, then, is to, is to come to know God. And that would be totally out of the realm of possibility for us if God didn't reveal himself in a variety of ways. So we see God revealed in creation, and we see God revealed in, within our, our own understanding of, of our humanity. But God has revealed himself in Scripture and now most perfectly uh, in the person of, of Jesus Christ. For the Christian, it's important. It does matter. It matters that we have a basic understanding of what the Trinity, uh, the nature of God is, because that's, for some Christians, particularly those who are Catholic, they may say, well, the Islam has God and the Jews have God, but that, that's a different understanding of what the nature of the relationship within the Trinity. So we want to know as much about God as we possibly can. And what we know is what God himself reveals to us in Scripture and, again, in other ways too, but then finally in, in the person of Jesus Christ. So we, we can't be satisfied ourselves by saying, well, you know, today I'll be a Christian, tomorrow I'll be a Muslim, and as if we were changing sweaters or something, you know, that just a little different look, but it's all fine. You know, we come back to the uh, important notion in our Christian faith that that Jesus has uh, invited us to put faith in Him, but then also to to evangelize the world, to bring the light of of the gospel, the light of His truth to others, because it, it is a saving truth, and it's from God. And so, we're, our part of our responsibility as Christians is to share that with others. We do it respectfully. We offer it always as a gift, as Jesus Himself, as Jesus Himself did. But it's easy enough, it, it, again, back to this understanding of, or misunderstanding perhaps of toleration, it's easy enough for, for us to say, well, you know, this is mine and that's yours and, you know, one's as good as the other. Um, we, we, we don't want to proselytize in an overbearing sense and we don't ever want to persecute others for, for their conscientious beliefs or support any such thing. But because of our experience of possessing this fullness of the revelation of God in Jesus Christ, if if we want to be truly religious, then we enter more deeply in, into that knowledge and understanding. We learn more about our faith, in other words, but then we're also ready in generosity and out of genuine concern for our 
brothers and sisters to to share the light of the gospel. Whether we talk about it explicitly or whether that's by our acts of kindness and uh, charity, whether it's by our good example, there are all kinds of ways that, that, that we do that. But to the extent that there are those who haven't yet had the opportunity to wrestle with, with the truth that God is revealing in Jesus Christ, that's part of our job to make that accessible to them. I think that brings us back around to our, the beginning of our conversation when we talked about listening and you know, in that conversation, in that communication, and I mean, it's very hard of that communion. The first encounter that somebody who doesn't have a relationship, not only with Christ, but with God, the whole dynamic or relationship is that loving listening that they may have with you first. That's, that, that's what makes it so attractive, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and Pope Francis keeps emphasizing this, of course, the power of the encounter and really the responsibility of, of followers of Jesus to be open to an, an encounter with others on a you know, very respectful human level where there's listening, sharing, helping, challenging, but all done respectfully. And then we see what happens because we know faith ultimately is God's gift and the God drawing all of his sons and daughters to himself in some way, which we know is his, is his desire that we come to him, how that happens and under what circumstances and at what pace. That's God's project, really. We're In Jesus, we're invited to cooperate in that. And certainly, at a minimum, to not be an obstacle by our conduct, by any kind of false religion that we may be putting on or trying to impose on others, to be an obstacle to any neighbors of ours coming uh, to recognize God's care for them and desiring a deeper relationship with God, as God will allow that and offer it to them. Well, in concluding this particular aspect of our conversation, Archbishop Lucas, what would you say to, say, parents who have raised children in a religion, particularly in in a faith they thought they were sharing, and and the kids are now adults, and they seem to be drifting away, uh, and and it's it actually creates a great deal of anxiety, maybe even fear in their hearts. Did we do something wrong? What happened? What would you say to them? I would say there are many people experiencing the same thing you're experiencing. That's cold comfort, I suppose. But there's been a big shift in our culture from one generation to the next, something like we've never really seen before. Again, the Holy Father describes that. Surveys of people about religious faith and practice show that the, the, that there has been a tremendous shift as the younger generation now comes to adulthood. So this is really a challenge for us, a challenge to the gospel, but at the same time, it's our mission field. I would say to parents, and we need to say to any of us, let's not give up. We're we're all still here. We have a relationship uh, with the next generation, parents with their children. And it's never too late for us to ask God that we might have a deeper experience of his presence in our lives, ourselves, and to ask for the grace to share that authentically to show us the opportunities that may open up to to do that. We know that God has a a loving plan for all of his sons and daughters. And so I'm sure hard for parents to imagine uh, that God loves their children even more than they do and that God desires life for them, that God desires, desires their flourishing more even than their parents do. So I think our prayer should be, help us, God, understand how we can be your instruments, not with our own plan for them, but to communicate your loving plan in some way. And help us with the grace of the Holy Spirit to see when an opportunity might 
be present, who in a way that's patient and, and generous and, and respectful, to share a little bit about the, the value of our own uh, relationship with God, with, with those that we care about so much. What would you say to that person who has the quest in their heart for something that's sacred, but they're afraid of becoming religious, they're afraid of committing to an organized religion, what would you say to that person who is kind of peeking through the window and wondering what's going on in there? Yeah, talk to God about it. God's very close to you and um, desires, again, and for you in freedom to be able to turn to him to know him. If that would be your desire, it is God's desire. You know the work you do with these podcasts, you know, and we have Catholic Radio and we have some other, what I would call these days very non-threatening ways for somebody who might have a little curiosity or kind of an awakening of a desire to be able to listen and, and learn and reflect in, in privacy uh, if it seems that they're not ready to talk about it with somebody else or, or to kind of come out as a religious person. So kind of back to where we started, I would say don't ignore that something that seems to be awakening in you because it's a, it's a deeper understanding of the truth about who you are and about uh, a relationship that God desires to have with you. Uh, the second thing I would say is, is a relationship with God will not hurt you. Everything we know about God is God's loving care for us. So to, to come close to God is not to, to get somehow consumed or to lose ourselves or to lose our identity. It's, just, it's quite the opposite. We learn more about ourselves because, as I said, we're spiritual beings as, as well as material ones. And that spiritual side of us, if we want to put it that way, loves to be nurtured and, and to, to receive some attention. If you're feeling some yearning about religion and, and some desire, I would say it's the most natural thing in the world. That's what, it's how God's made you. And, and for that, that soul that is, is spiritual and feels that, that real touch of something they're trying to grasp at it, I can't think of a history as rich as the spiritual masters that we have found, particularly in the Catholic tradition. If you want to encounter mystery, just the, the awesomeness of the great whatever. I'm thinking, of course, of the Blessed Virgin Mary and one of the things that she instructed every, just do whatever he tells you. But there is nothing quite like that, that history, is there, Archbishop? And what it points to is the, the, the opportunity we have in the present. You know, God loves us in practical ways, and God loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us in the here and now. That's what the saints have discovered. And, and you know, they, it may seem very mystical or mysterious to us in some ways, but really what they were discovering was right here, here wherever I am on life's journey, God is revealing himself to me, and I can have a relationship with God, whether it's on a great day, whether it's a difficult day, whether things are going my way or I feel really very challenged or, or alone. God's not afraid of any of that. God is with me in all of that. So, you know, the all-powerful God really wouldn't be all-powerful, wouldn't be much of a God at all if God weren't the God of the the small things, of the things that both delight us and kind of hang us up day by day. So learning from some of the spiritual masters is really to to learn that we can have a relationship with God right here and now, that we don't have to be somebody else and we don't have to act like somebody else and we don't have to go to a different place to find it, but but there are m- many ways to encounter God, and God's not hiding from us. So I agree with you know. To we hear this sometimes, it's, it's beautiful. Someone will pick up the writings of a you know a spiritual author or hear hear a talk or or, or something, and it will click. 
with them because we would say maybe in our culture, it's well, that was practical. You know, that made sense. It struck a chord or made me think that I could actually, right here where I am, have, have a relationship with God. And, and it's true that that's possible. And, and that really is the beauty of, of any kind of religious life and, and practice. I would say important to and an encouragement to, if you do encounter these wonderful writings or you hear that talk or you have that, whatever it is that kind of tugs at your soul, to, don't be afraid to come in and begin relationship in a community. Come through the door, ask the questions, you know, journey with others. That can be so beneficial. You're not alone. You may be surprised at how much further and deeper you can go with when you walk with others. And even though, as you said, there have been uh, and still are perhaps people who in the name of religion do things that are wrong or outrageous even, there are so many wonderful, faith-filled people that, that we do have the chance to encounter. And they're not hard to find. And so, again, if, if there is this yearning, this, this desire, uh, I, I agree to uh, seek out a community, another person, somebody who looks to you to be a, a faith-filled and authentic person, see how you might, might connect. I think you find a great, great blessing and a great consolation and encouragement there. And I'm hopeful that over the series of conversations that we're going to have, Archbishop Lucas, that for many they'll find why being a Catholic matters, that there is such a full, as can we say, a communication, a communion and relationship that can be present there, and it's so rich. You could spend a lifetime exploring its steps, couldn't you? Well, that's right, and I think another way of saying why does it matter is to say, well, you know, what good is it? For me, what's the good in it? And again, in our culture, in kind of a materialistic way, we might say, "What's the value added?" You know, my life's okay. Uh, to, to think that I would have a deeper relationship with God, particularly in the Catholic Church, what what difference might that make? I think that's worth exploring. I'd love to you know, have further conversation about that it, because um, uh, I can just say it, it's made all the difference for me in my life. I'm not saying I'm a better person than anybody else, but my life is so much richer than it would have been without my discovering. The, a, a relationship with God and how much God loves me in, in his son, Jesus Christ. Well, let's go discover. Okay, good. Okay, thank you so much, <laughs> Archbishop Lucas. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, Along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, We hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.